Hey there, it's me, Denise Lee, and welcome to the Introverted Entrepreneur Podcast, where we help improve your mindset and your money. And today, we are going to take a deep dive in knowing yourself on a deeper and more personal level. Today, I had the privilege of talking with Christine Hansen, and she is the author of the book, We Mean Business, the practical guide for creative entrepreneurs, coaches, and small businesses to build your brand and grow your business online. Christine and I, we talked a lot about how you can really make sure that you're aligned, who you are with what you want to do and your impact, but more importantly, how to do it with no apologies and no need to seek approval from anyone else. Really enjoy this conversation and I'm hoping that you will as well. So make sure that you carve out the space and grab something to write with to make sure that not only that you're listening, but you can make some mental notes for yourself about changes that need to occur. So make sure that you stay tuned after this short break and we'll dive right into it. Hi, Christine. How are you doing today? Hello, Denise. I'm very well. Thank you. You know, before we started this recording, I was drilling you about all these other things but your business. But I realized that as we were talking, I was like, wait a minute. Her life is making a direct correlation with her business. And you you said something to me that really tickled my fancy. And it was, I have it come from an area where everything is driven from egocentric. And the first thing that talked, that came to my mind was like, ego, does she mean she wants to be conceited? But I know <laughs> there's much more to that. Can you explain to those who are listening what coming from an egocentric mindset exactly means? Yeah, so I think it, first I can I kind of probably need to explain what I understand from egocentric. So the ego basically just means yourself. I mean, we also have the notion of someone who has a big ego, uh, obviously having kind of a chip on their shoulder, you know, so that's not what I mean by this. Um, egocentric means you value yourself most in a way you really act from self-interest truly. And it's interesting because in general, we feel like, like this reaction that you had, it's like, yuck, you know, selfish person, egotistical, egocentric. There's so many different words to kind of describe the same thing. But ultimately, I think what I've learned from taking decisions that might have been unpopular or that were fairly certain were unpopular with people around me, people who were close to me, people who, you know, loved ones is that nobody will ever walk in your shoes. Like you are the only person who's inside your body and your thoughts 24 seven. And we are here on borrowed time. And I refuse to spend any second in a way that I don't enjoy it. There are obviously, um, exceptions to that like I'm a law-abiding citizen you know (laughs) I do conform to society when I have to um I obviously sacrifice for my daughter as well and I would never you know willfully hurt anyone but I've started to really design my life and my business from a perspective of me what do I like what sings to me versus what might please other people, what might even be the smartest strategy, who do I think would be a great audience, what choice would make most people happy, 
that is not how I roll anymore. I'm really much, very much looking into myself first because that's the only thing that I ever know for certain. It's the only thing, the only person's thoughts that I will ever know are my own. And I found that living that way, I've become a lot more transparent and that is polarizing. You know, some people like it, some people won't. And that's fine because I find the people around me who are drawn to me are amazing. I get along with them so well and others have maybe distanced themselves, but that's fine too. You know, I also think everything is cyclical and we develop and change, but it's definitely, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm not a fan of ego when it comes up in terms of a chip on your shoulder and, you know, behaving irrationally and unkindly. But if ego is what it's basically in the name of the word is just about you caring about yourself, putting yourself first, I'm all for it. I know that you've had this experience with clients and I've had my experiences with clients as well, where they say, well, I was listening to Clubhouse or I was in this mastermind or I, and, and you're like just thinking to yourself, what has that got to do with you and your journey? Yeah. And I remember that state where I felt as if I couldn't trust myself and that everything external to me had to be more superior even though they didn't know me, even though they didn't know my path. And for those who are listening, they might go like, oh my goodness, like that's me right there. How can I even begin to trust myself? What would you say? I think it's a journey. I haven't always been that way. I mean, it's an awakening really when we become an entrepreneur, when you start building your own business, it's different, you know, before most, I mean, it depends also of your background, but most of the clients that I work with, They've come from a very traditional career, you know, based mainly on academics or on a trajectory that was built through age or skill set. And then they came into this entrepreneurial world where they, the only thing they were certain of pretty much was the skill that they wanted to work with, mm. whether that is in coaching, whether that is in health, whether that is in, in, in art, whether that is in, in anything else, really. That is what they were not sure of. All the rest is new territory. And I think we're just, it's, we brought up with this idea and this notion that when you are new to something, you just don't know anything and be humble and everyone else knows better. And partly it's true. But again, I feel you have to differentiate because yes, other people will know more about strategy and about theory but nobody knows more about you than yourself. And I think mm -hmm. that's what is very often the confusion. And it's also why I consciously call myself a consultant and a coach because the consultant part is where like a lot of other coaches or they call themselves coaches, although I'm not sure they should, <laughs> where a lot of other business mentors have a lot of experience, have, you know, taken a lot of education themselves and just, you know, through doing things, learned a lot of lessons that's the consulting part. Like I know gazillion strategies, but the coaching part truly is looking at a person and kind of diagnosing them in a way, you know, really helping them to express what they really want, who they really are, what they don't want, what they don't like, what their values are. And then looking in the arsenal of strategies that you have and seeing what might fit them 
personally, because that's when beautiful things happen. That's why it's also really difficult or why I, for example, consciously chose not to have a course or anything like that. It's because I can't do that in that format. I could do group coaching maybe, but I really like this intense relationship with someone looking at them and saying, okay, and even in my book, you will read, this is the best practice. This works for most. However, please be aware that it doesn't necessarily have to have to be for any for everyone. And that is where through experience and also through having, you know, trusted myself into a lot of mentors that I really want to, that it's something I prioritized, you know. And the only thing I can do is it in the end, it's personal development and it's not something we tend to prioritize. So what I do whenever I do these podcast recordings is I really call people who are in the beginning of their journey, I'm calling you out, do not neglect your personal development. It's the most important piece of the equation. So for those who missed it, Christine's book is called We Mean Business, and I'm going to drop a link in the show notes below. So I want to make sure that everyone can be able to access that. When you talk about personal development, a lot of people deflect and go, well, I have all these skills and this experience built up. I'm like, no, that's part of that. But for those who are listening, can you explain really flesh out what personal development really means? Oh, it's such a big word. It's a word, it's a concept that I never knew, honestly, before I started my entrepreneurial journey. And uh, it's because I never needed it. Uh, I've always lived a life before that where it was pretty much on autopilot. So personal development ultimately means that you start to, you can look at yourself right now at this moment as kind of like a statue, you know, like you're done, but or you're, you're the block of marble and there's your true self is in there. And the surplus marble, so to say, is what you've learned through your upbringing, through society, through religion, through all kinds of different inputs, everything you read, things you've seen, things you've heard, things you've experienced. And you adapt things to your own, which don't necessarily align with who you actually are. So personal development journey is for me to chip away at that block of marble to figure out what you actually really look like and who you really are. And as you do that, you become more practiced, you become more self-aware, you will catch yourself, you know, thinking, oh, this is triggering me, why, versus actually being triggering and reacting. And that is interesting. And it's incredible. It's fun, too, because they're like, oh, you know, a few years ago, this would have sent me spiraling. This would have sent me doubting myself. This would have made me so angry. Whereas when you are on a personal development journey and you become aware, you step back. You're like, it's still triggering me most likely, but you can step back and you can relate. You can become empathetic. Doesn't mean that you need to agree, but you can, okay, I get why they might think that way and I don't take it personally. That is a huge skill to be learned. And as you learn that, it helps you to become a lot clearer in your messaging, in your decision-making, in every choice you take really and so that is for, to me personally I think personal development looks a little bit different to everyone and also the tools you will use for your personal development look, will look different but that is ultimately 
I think, in my words, what personal development is. You know, I, I just want to add a little bit to what you're saying. Is that I, for, for me, when I think about personal development, I also think about curiosity. Mm. Uh, when you say triggers, I think curiosity and curiosity about why do I seize up? you know, in these certain moments or curiosity or why am I leaning towards beautiful things and opulence? Why am I interested in these topics? You know, and the creativity, okay, what can I do with these ideas that inspire and motivate me? Am I going to just leave it trapped in a box? Mm-hmm. What happens next? Yeah, I agree. And I think with that curiosity also comes patience because you wait for the answer because you know it will come before I think uh, patience is not necessarily my virtue at all I have to say I'm really impatient in general but I've really learned that part of my own character is that I work very well when I get a gut feeling and plants work best when they really stem from joy and my gut space rather than my brain space so before if I had the feeling that something was in stagnation, I would Google, I would look for the newest trends and I would purchase and I would implement and it wouldn't work necessarily. Sometimes it would. Now I don't panic anymore. I just rest and I give myself time to have that answer come to me and speak to me. And that's why I think the introvert part comes in because I'm a generator by human design, which means I work very well when I'm enthusiastic and then I shine, like I explode and you see me running around and be, you know, inspiring people. And I never knew that until someone told me and then I got to, did some research and yes, it's actually what I do. But I can only do that when I'm really, really excited about something. But it also burns, like I can go for a long time, but it burns energy too. So I need those quiet faces too. And I need to trust them that they're there for a reason. So instead of hunting, so to say, for the excitement, or instead of hunting for constantly having something to do, I really changed my life into having those rest faces and trusting them. And even being okay of having a very slow month where not much has happened, but I'm just asking myself questions and the answers will always come, you know? So that is also something that I think has changed a lot, being aware of that, trusting that process. And obviously I have strategies in place that constantly make me create things so that I'm always there because ultimately it's not enough to just manifest. You have to actually be active too. But for anything that's outside of the regular strategy, so to say, I've stopped forcing myself, which is awesome. (laughs) Oh, wow. There's so many different angles I want to like dig more into. But when you're talking about like allowing those moments of like rest, I'm thinking about states of flow. You know what I'm talking about where you're like, you're so busy, you feel like you're drowning and then purposely slowing things down so you don't get overwhelmed by the current of energy. And I think uh, I'm specifically talking to entrepreneurial women, okay? If you're a man and you're listening, you're like, we're not leaving you out. I'm just going to exclusively talk to women right now and say that I believe that for us as for women, we don't feel as if we're not accomplishing if we're not overwhelmed. For sure. 
And it's because that's how we grow up. I mean, the people that we admired the most or that we were told were the most valid were those who were always working, right? And it goes from, let's just historically go back, the people who didn't work and had a lot of money was usually aristocracy, you know, at least in the European backgrounds and everywhere in the States as well. It was the people who entitled and inherited money and they didn't need to do anything and still had money. So I think our mindset was if you don't do anything and you still have wealth, it equates to something that is negative, you know, even though I have to say we were judging people then too, <laughs> sometimes correctly, but not everyone, right? So, but I think that is very much ingrained because the people who were working, who were busy all the time, because they didn't have a choice, literally they'd be starving, that was valid because most of us are not stemming from aristocracy, I guess. So, and I think that's still how we see it. And that's why we have this connotation of being busy, of working hard, and it has to be painful in order to earn something and in order for it to be valid versus why don't you have a couple of things that you shine at, make sure that you earn more than enough and just rest for the rest of your life. Nobody, it's nobody's business how you earn a living. And again, I think unless you intentionally do something illegal or hurt people, then we might have a different discussion, but I don't think anyone in this podcast is in that situation. I'm just saying, don't judge yourself. Don't feel bad about it. I think it's a very smart move and it's the ultimate way to live is to do something you enjoy, to do it smartly, to charge a lot of money for it so that you can relax, enjoy and really control your time, which, which is ultimately why I think 99% of people start their own businesses. I think a lot of people get so stuck in that technician mindset as if they have to work, 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 work for what they believe is a, a fair salary. By fair, by whose standards? Yeah. And then, I mean, that's, that's a podcast within itself, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and then once they, when they realized their work was, the, was predicated on ideas that didn't even belong to them, then they could just find freedom. But I mean, I, for me, and I know for you as well, it was chipping away over ideas that never even belonged to us. Yeah, for sure. And I, I always see this in twofold. The first exercise I actually do with my clients is that we actually crunch numbers to actually figure out how much they actually need to make. You would be surprised how many people have no idea what they actually need to make in a year to cover all their bills if we were to split it into monthly chunks. People have no idea. Once you have that number, that's when we can talk about salary or earnings or offerings or anything else, because that is your bare minimum. There's no discussion about that. This has nothing to do with fair or not fair. This is you surviving. This is you being paying your taxes. This is you making sure your little ones have a future. This is objective and it helps a lot of people because sometimes it's more than they thought. So if you say you need to make 8,000 to actually, you know, afford everything that you're doing right now, then it, it's very different than saying, well, you need to make 8,000. It's like, oh, but that's so much money, you know? And it's like, no, well, actually, when you show them, this is what you actually need. It makes them understand that their business is a business that, you know, it 
actually, okay, I need to take this seriously. And it also helps them to charge accordingly. And then there's the question of what does success mean to you? Most people have a number in their head and where does that number come from? So, and that has a lot to do with the online digital space too. Years ago, it was six figures, six figures, six figures, six figures. Now it's seven figures. All I see is suddenly seven figure coaches, seven figure entrepreneurs. And I go, what the hell? Most people would have no idea what to do with all of that money, you know, or it's like, why, why that exactly? Why? And so sometimes it's much less than seven figures, but you could still retire early. You would never have to worry about any bills. You'd know that you're safe. And that is often a lot less than you think you need to make. So I feel a lot of people sometimes put that unnecessary stress on that weird number that comes out of nowhere or from a billboard or from a Facebook group or from some coach or some podcast. And it's just like, just do the math. Do you really need that? And that's why I love talking about financial literacy too, where it's like, okay, so what if you invest, you know, like in, in safe investing, you can still make so much money, you know, in terms of retirement funds, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's a conversation that I, that I really am interested in myself in this year, as I'm starting to invest, I'm focusing on sustainable investing, um, rather than cryptocurrency or anything like that, but it, to each their own, right? But I think that's those are avenues that we need to, as women specifically, start to become more comfortable with, you know. Knowing your worth is integral to understanding what you need to survive, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you believe that if you just deserve Walmart clothes, I mean, not 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 walk, knocking Walmart and Walmart's your jam, go for it, right? But if you have the energy of like, I want to be in Burberry and Dolce Gabbana, right? But you're charging Walmart prices. There's a complete disconnect. Exactly. There's a huge difference between, to me, that's when we do the basic exercise is like, okay, this is your Walmart budget. Now this is your real budget. This is the one you actually really truly want. And not everybody wants that. And that's fine too. But when I work with someone who actually desires that, totally cool. I'm a Hermes girl myself, you know, I get it. So, you know, but that's to each their own, you know, and I think it's my job as a coach or your job as a coach to really figure out what is the truth for your client and whatever that might be, be respectful and work with that, you know, so, and then the other piece is obviously you need to have something worthy to sell. I think that it kind of goes without saying, but it's still important to reiterate that you need to actually have something that collapses time for someone or makes someone money or really helps them, you know, to get more time in terms of like time. We all sell time in some way, whether it is becoming healthy and living a longer life, whether it is being productive, whether it is taking less time to learn something because you teach them all the little tricks and hacks it doesn't matter what you do. Time is ultimately always what we work in. And I think that's always a good evaluation when you can go into your head and just compare someone who has no idea, they can Google everything for free. I mean, everyone can get everything for free on the internet. The, again, the currency you're paying with is time. So if you can get become aware and appreciate how much time you're saving them by them asking you and you being their Google, but already filtering through all the crap that is out there and 
serving them up exactly what they need. If you become aware of how, what that is worth, that is when we are cooking, you know, that's when we're cooking with gas. I want to talk about this idea of abundance, because when mm -hmm. you were talking about making offers that will sell and profitable and being a time hack for someone, I think about this idea of how can I blow up someone's mind so much? It feels like, you know what I'm talking about, Christine, you know, what like, it feels like a no brainer. And if you are coming from this energy of lack, how in the world can you uh, like create that space that is just filled with so much positivity, so much energy, so much time saving, so much luxury. And I, I, I talk about luxury because I know you're my soul sister on that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like what, how can we create that energy? Like, let's expand, let's make this beautiful. How can we create abundance within themselves? Because it all comes from within. It's a journey. I don't think there's like just one answer to this, but the truth is if you have a lack, it, you will never translate to the clients you actually look for. You will translate to clients who are exactly like you or worse, mm. much worse. Mm. So I think that's the first thing that people need to become very aware of. Then there is a lot of, trust in yourself going on I feel you know really actually liking yourself and I, I recently said you know I've been working a lot of myself but when I look for my perfect clients I look like someone like I look for someone who is like me because I actually think I'm fun to be around with and I actually like myself but truly how many people can say that about themselves you know and it's not even seen as something positive if you say, I actually like myself, it seems haughty. It seems uh, overly confident. It seems, you know, braggy. And it's like, well, if I don't like myself, what the hell am I doing then? You know, like, shouldn't I at least like myself? Then, you know, something's really wrong if I don't even like myself. Why would anyone else like me? So I think that's also a mindset shift that is, is super, super important. And once you do that, that is when you can truly call in your clients and create your offers that sing to you and that's where again we're back at the egocentrical because the offers that I create all stem from what I like and how I like to work and what I want to do I don't care what best practices is I don't care if my coaching certification course says you should do six sessions you should do 12 sessions you should do six months or 12 months I do whatever I like best, which most of the time is five day sprints because I like to work short and intense. That's how my travel community has come about traveling the world amongst entrepreneurs. Why? Because I love traveling. I love having business discussions. Et voila, you take a shake and you have the perfect mix. And that is when you can communicate in a way that lights people up because you love it. It's not mm -hmm. something you came up with because it's the correct thing to do or the most practical thing to do nobody cares ultimately people can get everything in every shape and form at least a hundred thousand times in the world most of the time you're not that unique so the only thing that makes you unique and makes someone click with you is by you shaping and forming it and presenting it in the way that you love it in the way that you become excited about it and again that's where you take the courage and put yourself first and putting yourself first, it, that is a lot. That's a huge, that's a huge animal to like or to wrap your arms around. 
because for a lot of us, I know you've heard this because I've heard this too, where they're like, oh, I've got so many things to do. No, you don't. <laughs> Absolutely. No, you don't actually. When, when you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We're like, well, I've got to be at this place. Well, I've got to attend this place. I got to be I'm like, no, you don't. Like how does this connect with your energy? Right. And what you, what you want to transmute to the world and how you want to accomplish your goals. I think I don't always accomplish it um, because I work with people who are exactly like that. And I sometimes have to meet them where they're at. And I just know they, this is too much of an animal for me to handle in this amount of time that we'll be working together. So in that case, when I work with them, I will share tips with them. I will help them. I will walk them over the ledge. I'm creating space for them, but I'm very much aware that I will not be able to completely change that because that's that's a coaching journey. Like mm. seriously, that's a life coaching journey where I would really recommend people to go to a life coach who can help them reframe goals, reframe stress, where they are ready to move forward. Or if they're stuck somewhere, then go to a counselor and have work done there. Mm. So it really depends. Sometimes I have people who I click with and I tell them two, three things that really go like deep into the core soul of things, just asking them the right questions and it changes everything. And sometimes I know there's just too much happening right now and I'm very structured and I'm just like, okay, this is our plan. This is our one, two, three, four, five. These are our linear steps and we'll work through them. So I think that is, I, I kind of gauge where people are at and some I won't be able to completely change. And that's fine too. You know, not all money is good money. And <laughs> the fact that, the fact that you understand and for everyone's listening that I know in the, I don't know where you're at, where you're listening. I don't know if you're at the beginning of your business. I don't know if you're seasoned. I don't know where you're at, but I do know that, you know, within your heart, how you operate how you sync in with, with clients. I'm not talking about customers because that there's a big distinction between a client versus the customer. Clients, you have to determine, I'm sorry, I'm preaching right now. And <laughs> excuse me, because it, it, it really frustrates me. And you probably had this like conversation with clients over the years uh, where they think they are, they're giving more energy than what was previously agreed to. Yeah. Or it's beyond your scope, honestly. Yeah. And I think that's where with experience, you, you communicate much better. Your contracts become tighter. Your website copy becomes tighter, everything. And I need to redo my website again. It's just been two years and I'm like, okay, this is all outdated again, you know, but that's where, and it's so funny because I wrote a whole blog post about creating a coaching template and why that is important. And I don't even have one. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm no the most shame. No shame, no blame. Ever. No shame, it's no blame. Like, exactly. <laughs> but I think when I talk to people, that's where we become very clear, where you become already clear about boundaries and where you will tell them, look, I will never chase you. If you don't show up, if you don't book your sessions, it's not my problem. The contract says we finish, you have to finish them before this date. If you come back later, not my problem. No, you'll have to start again. And I think those are things that if you make that very clear from the beginning and have that dynamic it makes it easier you know mm. in the beginning that can be daunting because you don't have that confidence yet and that's fine you know and you will 
most likely have those experiences once or twice, but then <laughs> it's really time to set those boundaries and it's, it's making you become more professional and everything just falls into place and it makes everyone much happier. I read this tweet on Twitter a while back ago, but it stuck to me and it was talking about hustle culture. And someone said that hustle culture is a sign of inappropriate or lacking boundaries, hmm. inner boundaries. And yeah, I, I struggle with the word hustle sometimes because I like to hustle sometimes, you know, sometimes when it's like deadline time, okay, I need to, I need to hustle a little bit. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but being busy, I'm busy because I'm busy or I'm so busy being busy. That's different. So I feel that is kind of what we're talking about in terms of, yes, you have to kind of, I have so many, my calendar is so full and I'm so busy being busy, but actually what are you doing? You know, and as an entrepreneur, as someone who's selling, your job is literally showing up for people to find you and obviously to work with your clients. That's it. Nothing else is your job. Everything else should be outsourced. You should have a team doing that. Obviously, again, it comes with time, but that is ultimately in order to break the feast or famine cycle, that's what your only job is. So it's always good to do an audit and to look back. And I do it every year at the end of the year anyway, because I have to <laughs> do my log for my car to show where I've been, what been my business trips and all my business expenses and et cetera, et cetera. But that is, I find where you really need to be mindful when you feel that you're really busy and scrap things, like go for it, like crazy and you know, you should be saying no much more often than yes. Hmm. I, I've heard it uh, um, also another way, doing more subtraction than addition. Yes. But yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. And that comes from really understanding who you are and how you want to serve. And I have to say, I have to plug this in about why do we have to be, you mentioned about, we all have to be our own a lighthouse. What does that mean exactly? Can you unpack that? I'm teasing a little bit about your book in there. Like, what does that mean yes. exactly? Yeah. It's really what I don't want to say I'm famous for, but it's kind of my, my soapbox, soapbox moment. I love this quote and I have it in my book and I'm actually going to open it because I don't want to butcher it again. It's by Anne Lamott. And she has a quote and it says, lighthouses don't go running all over an island looking for boats to save. They just stand there shining. And I love that um, allergy because ultimately we're the same. You, and it just ties back to what I said before, there are other people doing the same thing you do. It's very rare that you invent something that's never been done before. So let's just go from the from the premise that we all do something that other people do as well. The only difference is you. It's just you, who you are, what you do, how you do it. And so I don't like it when people say you need to find clients because that to me is the lighthouse wobbling around running towards the beach. Because if you imagine internet land or any place the lighthouses are the people, uh, the boats are the people already looking. Everyone is already looking for something, sometimes consciously, sometimes less conscious than it's your job to make them aware of what they're actually looking for. But they're already looking. They're aware most of the time. So 
they see different lighthouses, but they will only respond to the one that is right for them. The particular shape of light, the particular frequency of light, the, the, the color, the, the brightness. And so that's what you do. You show up, you shine your light so that the right people can find you. And that changes the whole dynamic because you are you, you stay firmly rooted as that lighthouse. You don't wobble towards the beach. You shine that light and people can see you and they can find you and they can ask to work with you. They can ask to be saved, so to say. Mm -hmm. And that is what changes the whole dynamic from the bat. Cause you know, the people who reach out, they dig you, they get you. They're not around, you know, they not tire kicking a gazillion coaches or whatever to find someone to work with they already know because they responded to you and that mm. is why i'm saying your job is mainly to shine your light which means showing up creating mm. content being on social media if you're online and doing podcasts like these this is me shining my light right this minute you know, that is your job. It's not your job to spend 5,000 hours in Canva because nobody will see you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> use your time wisely. The way it was explained to me by one coach, and I still think about it this, to this day, is that spend your energy on income generating activities. But, but let's, as I were having this conversation, you know, spend your energy on things that amplify your own inner life. Yes. Exactly. I think, yeah. it's a, I think it's a twofold thing because if yeah. you're doing things that are income generated but they're misaligned with your heart, then you're going to have all sorts of problems. It's a disconnect, right? And then what happens with things that are mal like fitted in that it just falls apart as soon as a little traction, a little bit moment, momentum happen. And speaking to what you said earlier about there's a thousand one coaches and there's a thousand tire kickers. Right. Mm -hmm. But we have the space as coaches, as consultants, those of you guys are listening to create that energy that says foolishness is not allowed. <laughs> it's not allowed. You can do that elsewhere, <laughs> but not here. And giving yourself that permission slip. Right. I know you talk a lot about it, like permission to say, no. No, <laughs> no, not happening. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I completely agree. And some of it is trial and error. You know, you don't know what is working for you and what isn't necessarily. And you, until you tried on for size. And that I think that's partly why people become so exhausted in the beginning because they don't know anything. So they have to try mm -hmm. everything. So just be mindful and take decisions very quickly. That's what I would really suggest. Like, if you know from, and that's where then people come in, but you have to stretch your comfort zone. And I'm like, sure, but you don't have to break it and be a Muppet and just look totally uncomfortable, you know, forever, because it's not going to change, you know, like ultimately we know things that we'll never, never like and we'll never enjoy. And it's fine to not do that, you know? So I'm just saying, be mindful about that comfort zone thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I, I want to ask you, because this is, it's been on my mind, and I know that it's something that has a lot of people struggle with. They say, well, I don't have a lot of money, or I have too much money, and I don't know what to do either way. Like those big extremes where resources aren't the issue, it's just where do I go versus I have no money, <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, like, how do I like 
for those who are kind of stuck in those hard places, like how would you tell them how to break through? I think the first thing you really have to do is an intake of what you have what you like and what you don't like. And I think that gives you the answer. A lot of the time, we don't even know where we are, who we are, what we do. It's just, and especially when it can be, as you say, because we're overwhelmed and we can't have perspective because we have too much to do in order to survive and we're in a panic state. So there it's about finding that moment to pause on the other hand, it can be because everything is an autopilot. Everything is so smooth and comfortable that there is no ridge. There is no edge that can guide us either. Both times, I think it's about consciously taking a break, pause, get perspective, and then getting the permission to trim and to purge and to reevaluate and sometimes that means burning things to the ground. Sometimes it means reshape and recreate. Sometimes it just means pivoting. Sometimes it just means editing or altering. It's always different. But I think pause, perspective and permission, those three words are, are very important in that process. Can you say that again for those who are listening? Pause, it's pause perspective and permission. And I'm saying this very consciously because my, my entrepreneur travel experiences are built on five pillars, which are because we travel, we go somewhere different, a different culture amongst entrepreneurs. And the five pillars are pause, perspective, permission, and two others, with, which is passion and play. So, and that's what I feel is not a given. You kind of have to sometimes be forced to do them. <laughs> You know, one of the things that struck me when I, I was learning more about your, um, I would, I want to call them immersion experiences because it's not exactly a coaching. No, um, no, you know, and one of the things that you, 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 you talked about is this idea of, I don't want you to come back immediately and work. Yes. Because I think for a lot of us, they think, okay, two-week vacation, then they go back to the grind. And then they're wondering why they feel so burned out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm like laughing because I've done the exact same thing. I grind hard, then I take a vacation, and then I go straight back into it. And then I wonder why I'm exhausted. Yeah. Yeah, I find that this marinating period after taking that break can be the most important element. A lot can happen when you go on vacation or when you go away. And I really want to make clear, <laughs> we think vacation is what is not always vacation. I'm sorry, but going on vacation with your kids, making sure they don't sunburn, making sure that nobody loses their wallet, making sure you have your passports, your 5,000 vaccines or PCR tests right now or whatever is not a relaxing vacation. You know, it's a change of scenery and you don't have to cook every day. That's, that might be true, but it's not a vacation. So what I mean is that when you truly break out, when you truly go into a different environment. And that's why I really insist on going to exotic places sometimes as well, or where culture is different, where food is different, where sites are different. It takes you, it forces you to change that perspective. 
And a lot happens. There are new ideas, there's revelations. But when you immediately go back, that's where, and you have a full schedule, it just gets lost. But the really crux, like the most important part is when you then go back and you just take a few more days off where you are back in the old environment, but you're not back in the busy on the grind yet. Because that's when you will truly get the ideas of how to implement those new ideas and new changes into your routine. Because you have the time to do that. You can reevaluate. And it's this bittersweet moment where perfection that you had on location during the business experience, you know, hits your reality and where you're like, okay, I might not be able to implement all of it, but this and this and this I can do, but you will need some time to marinate in your old environment to marry the two and to find, you know, to slowly get that ideal image that you've come up with. So that's where what I find what I've learned as well, because that's what I used to do. I remember the mentorship retreat I had in Bali in 2019. I literally booked my flight from a Saturday to a Saturday. I was working from Sunday to Saturday every day like crazy. And I came home, was jet lagged, and I had my first. I immediately, first of all, I got my daughter, which is fine, but it was a <laughs> I need a break. I didn't. I didn't consider how much of a toilet would have been. And this time we're going to Bali in July again, this time for not a mentorship retreat, but the business tripper experience that you talked about. Um, and this time I booked an additional three days in just a luxury hotel to just uh, cool off, cool down. And then I'm coming back and I still don't take appointments just to let it marinate for a couple of more days. So it all comes with experience, but yeah. For those who are listening and thinking, oh, I can't go to Bali right now. Maybe we can take a staycation. <laughs> <laughs> Always leave somewhere, even if it's just an hour drive, get out, get out of your environment because we all know too well, even if you say I'm not working, then you suddenly find yourself painting the garden shed or, and I'm sorry, again, that's not a vacation. It's not. <laughs> And however you enjoy your time. I am a lazy spa girl. I love being pampered, taking time off. Other people enjoy hiking, you know, or things like that. You know, everyone to each their own. But whatever you do, be unapologetic and do that. This is all part of this egocentric idea of like to thy own self be true and understanding like what really fills you up. Yeah. I mean, I think we all know what drains us. Right. I think that's a, like a long list. <laughs> like a and that's also, it's it. so funny because you're yeah. saying whatever fills us up. Sometimes we think we need to do something because it fills up other people. So again, back to the example of hiking. I know that for some people, that's the greatest thing in the world. And they, it fills them up and they come back energized. I come back, I'm half dead. I'm like miserable. And I just like my back hurts, you know, so to each their own, but really <laughs> don't feel judged for whatever you choose or whatever, you know, is what you enjoy the most. <laughs> Absolutely. I think this idea of passion is about not ap apologizing for what mm. that looks for you. Absolutely. Like as you mentioned unapologetic, earlier. Unapologetic, mm -hmm. uncompromising as well. And uh, I, I know we live in a world, it's so weird, Christine, because you, you've heard of like the Bernie Madoffs and all this other stuff that goes on where people were like extremely, 
I don't know how to end it with and say it, but the selfish and evil, you know? And then you think, oh no, 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 I'm never gonna be that way. And then you restrict and you deny and you ignore, but that's not helping, that's not serving anyone either. Living from a mindset of lack and insecurity and fear is a form of selfishness. I'm just going to say that. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And it's also, it's shifting back to why you do what you do. When you say no, again, it's not necessarily because you want to hurt someone or you want to deny something to someone. I think you always have to evaluate that quickly too you know like and and as you say it's 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 a lot of self-evaluation you know in terms of where do my decisions stem from but as long as you don't do it to harm someone I feel you're pretty much good to go well you know I know we can probably talk for hours on end but I in the interest of everyone's listening I want to make sure they can get up and do anything else they've got to do Christine obviously I'm going to uh, make a link so everybody can check out We Mean Business. But is there like any glass closing thoughts for those who are listening? Like, yes, you must know if anything else this, what would it be? Oh God, it's like one of those questions. I think if it's one task that I might want to, or a lesson learned or whatever you, my best piece of advice and whatever you want to call it, it's that cherish your uniqueness. And we are all unique because we all have different stories. We all have a different upbringing. We all have different culture. That uniqueness, the more you're aware of it, the more you cherish it, the more special you are, the better you will communicate, the better you will sell, the more money you will make. I hope everyone who's listening listens to that on loop. (laughs) because once you unlock that key abundance will flow through christine thank you for your time your wisdom and just your energy you've been such a light for me and i'm hoping those who are listening can also benefit from this conversation thank you denise i really appreciate it and i'm very grateful for you sharing your audience with me well again thank you for your time and those who are listening make sure that you connect with christine when least most in the show notes below and if you really love this make sure that obviously you share this message far and wide because the more we can help ourselves we can help other people so go ahead and take the next step whatever that next step looks to you so with that being said take care and be awesome